Has anybody been enjoying the, the summer reading series as much as me? And I'm telling you what, this has been so amazing. All of the authors, all of the books, all of the crazy weeks of this series have been fantastic. And it's, it's no stretch at all to say that we have saved the best for last. Uh, this weekend, we get to hear from the author of the book, Own the Moment. Hello. Look at this. Not your typical Sunday preacher, says CNN, casually thrown in there on the cover of the book. Uh, my friend, Pastor Carl Lentz, has meant so much to our church, uh, to Jenny and to me, our, to our family. And over the years, I was telling him, he has come in and preached some just of the, what, what are DNA messages to him, but they've become DNA messages to Fresh Life as well. Um, literally, as you think about our journey, our arc, just, just the moments where our, our paths have intersected have just been times where God, I, I feel like, has hit like a NOS boost for our church. Can I use a Fast and the Furious analogy? Would that be okay? It's just almost like uh, God has used him and Laura and, and their ministry and just the unique essence of what God's got on their life and their family and just their whole kind of church in the wild calling and how it's just really helped us to become grittier. And every time I'm around him, it makes me love people more, makes me love Jesus more, makes me want to get out there into the highways and the byways of this world and just love people well, because that's what he does. That's who he is. Uh, Pastor Carl and Laura, they lead Hillsong, New York City, also Boston, also New Jersey, also Connecticut. So there's that. Pretty much the eastern seaboard is uh, what God's called them to and beyond. Some of the most special talented, gifted, anointed, but humble people you are ever going to meet. Every Fresh Life location on your feet. Help me welcome to the stage to close out the summer reading series, my friend, Pastor Carl Lentz. What's going on, y'all? Couldn't be more excited to be here, and um, I get weirdly emotional when I land in Montana, partly because I'm not prepared for the, the wildlife, <laughs> and then the rest is because I love your church, and I love your pastors, and I know, um, for those of you who are new, huge shout out to everybody, and I, know I had all the locations memorized, but just so I don't miss it, I'm going to keep it broad. I'm going to say all the Fresh Life Montana, Fresh Life Portland, Fresh Life so uh, Salt Lake City, Fresh Life Jackson, Wyoming. And Levi just told me about Fresh Life Fiji. Who's in? Fresh Life Hawaii. Everybody watching online, um, we really love you. And when you hear pastors come into a, a, a church and they honor your pastor, it can be kind of awkward, but it shouldn't be because it's okay to appreciate each other. And I know um, your pastors, Levi and Jenny, they're, they're, I consider them family. And they're so much better at so many things than we are in so many ways. And it's great to have friends like that. And I think we've learned a lot. And my church, Hillsong Church, was started in a small town. Somebody once said, do you think it's weird that Fresh Life is so amazing coming out of Montana? I said, number one, Montana is spectacular. You've never been there. It's God's country. But secondly, God uses places like this to spread messages like ours. So it's not a surprise to me. And I just love you with my whole heart. Will y'all pray with me? And I'm going to ask the keyboardist, um, are you going to roll with me this whole message? What's your name? Greg. Greg. What a legend. Um, 
I'm really believing that God's going to move right now. I know we didn't come to church to play games. If you're watching online, you didn't tune in just to hear a sermon. Fresh Life, we don't preach sermons necessarily. We try to impart something that's going to change your life. And I don't know what you're dealing with. If you're in here right now, um, God has a plan for you. So forget about what you walked in with and what what you're walking out into. Um, I believe in this short time. My time does not start yet, by the way. Levi, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I I don't think churches can change people. That's a secret. I think God can use churches to change people, but just coming into church doesn't ensure anything's going to happen. But I know that God has a plan. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me. If you could just maybe close your eyes, take a deep breath. Every campus, just take a moment. Just remind yourself how good our God is. And Father, I pray right now that you would breathe on this message. Without you, it's just some words from somebody pretty average. But because of you, Jesus, you can use people like me. You can use churches like this to change the world, and that's what we came for. Lord, I pray you breathe on this. Unlock vision in people that need it. Give people fresh passion that haven't felt it in too long. And Lord, if there's anybody listening that doesn't know you, we call people home. In Jesus' name, the door is open, the gates are wide. And Lord, we thank you for salvation today in fresh life. We love you. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, shout amen. Every campus, shout amen. Bozeman, Billings. Helena, Great Falls, Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm kidding. That's where I'm from. Give somebody a high five quickly. Take your seat. Every campus, take a seat. Do you call them campuses, locations? Well, it's campus for now. I'm kidding. I'm going to get straight into this Bible. Can I do that? I'm moving slower than normal because I, I really feel like I got to know Montana in the last 48 hours. Your pastor took me, and I brought my daughter, Charlie. Uh, We went hiking, and we went camping, and we went horseback riding. And I'll never be the same. (laughs) Maybe we'll talk more about it later. I don't know. I don't know how to process it just yet. But I feel like I have a little bit of, like, you know how visitors are visitors. Like, come to New York. Got to come for years before we're like, you're in New York. I feel like what I went through today, I feel like I I am Montana. (laughs) Do you have a Bible? Do y'all still read it? I know. A lot of people at this church have the whole thing memorized. It's cool. (laughs) And if you're new or visiting every location, you're not here by accident. Um, We love you. You don't have to believe to belong at Fresh Life. You just got to show up, and people are going to love you where you're at. Uh, If you're married, we're praying for your marriage. If you're single, have a quick look around every location. Go ahead. Just have a look around. Today could be that day. Go to John chapter 13. I'm going to fly through this. And so I want you to stay with me. Feel free to shout me down. It won't scare me. Uh, my wife uh, sends her love. Our church in New York City is going great. Um, a lot of people to reach, and we're doing the best we can. So thank you for praying for us. It's a lot of fun. John chapter 13. I'm going to go with verse 34. If you're there, say I'm there. The context is that Jesus is about to he's about to leave earth as we know him at this point. And what he's doing is he's setting up uh, conditions for the new kingdom. So he's basically telling people, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want uh, my church to look. This is how I want it to be when I'm gone, so pay attention. And it's really also important to note that right before Jesus says this, he's let down by somebody. Right after he says it, he's let down by somebody. So if you've ever felt like you get a get-out-of-jail-free card of being kind, Jesus wrecks it all with this one statement. So here's what it says, and we know it's Jesus speaking. How, Pastor Levi? Because it's in red. That joke is no longer funny, apparently. (laughs) Not a person laughed. Jesus said, a new command I give you, to love one another 
as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this is when it gets crazy. He says, by this, everybody will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I've read that a million times like y'all have, I'm sure. But when I read this the other day, I thought, this is crazy that Jesus was so clear that if we want to know how we're going to be associated with, how people are going to know us, it won't be the size of your bank account. It will not be how much stuff you have, how many people know your name. Jesus said, hey, this is the command I want you to focus on. Love the person next to you right now. I've called this message because it's not a message without a title. Write it down. I've called this message, this is us. Look around. Say say somebody, this is us. Because I feel like if, they, if Jesus was having a conversation, that's kind of what he was saying. Imagine him gathering his guys around saying, fellas, this is us. This is who we are. We love people. The whole New Testament is Jesus redirecting people saying, no, that's not us. This is us. We fight for those that can't fight for themselves. We fight for those that have no voice. We reach out to those that nobody else is talking to. We stand in the gap for those that have yet to come home. This is us. But I wonder, I don't know how it is in Montana. Y'all are much nicer than we are in New York City. But do you think people know us Christians by our love? Do you think if we took a poll in Montana today or Wyoming, wherever you're hearing this message, and you were like, hey, what's your first reaction to Christians? How would you define a Christian? How many people would be like, love? Those people are amazingly loving. Do you think we could find 10 people? I don't think so because people apparently, if we're talking about who we are, this is us, I think people define us by our politics. I think people define us by our hatred. I think people define us by what separates us, not by what unites us. What if God was calling churches like ours? Think about it. He didn't talk about reaching the world. Jesus didn't say they're going to know you by how many souls you win. Jesus said they will know you are my disciple by watching you love people. This is good news. Because I can't do a lot right now. Have you ever looked at our world right now and been like, there's nothing I can do? The problems are so big. Oh, none of y'all think that? Sometimes I'm overwhelmed by the need. And then I go back to, here's the new commandment I give you, Jesus said. Love one another. He's not even talking about lost people. He's not even talking about people you don't like. He said, love one another. He was talking to his disciples. I wonder, y'all, if we could start being known, not for necessarily our church conferences, not our worship albums, although we won a Grammy, holler. <laughs> I would be cool if people didn't know Hillsong Church, but they knew something was going on because of the love inside of this church I don't know. Can you imagine if Montana was hit by a wave of Christians that are genuinely loving people as they have been loved? We wouldn't have buildings that could contain it. We wouldn't know what to do with all the people coming home because Jesus apparently <laughs> thinks that this radical, ridiculous love is so explosive. If we focus on this, we can change the world. And we're getting there. We're not there in New York all the way, but I will say this. We did plant a church in Boston. And it's awesome. God's doing great things. But I heard our campus pastor, Josh Kimes, he said, Carl, coolest story. We are like, y'all, we don't have buildings when we start. So we start in clubs or wherever will you know, let us in for having our meetings. 
And uh, apparently this one club, the Saturday night security staff at this club in Boston, they have to stay over and be security for our church. And so after three weeks of us having church in there, apparently what the security guards had been doing was finding the people who were the most drunk, the most tore up in this club, and they would say, hey, sit, sit here for a couple more hours, sit over, over in the corner. They would gather like the people who really need Jesus. Y'all know people who need Jesus. And then there's some people who are like, you need Jesus now. And they would gather these people and they'd say, hey, look, we, you look like you're in a really bad way. If you could just stay here for a couple hours, there's a church coming in here and it is for you. They'll take care of you and they'll, they'll, they'll help you. They'll give you what you need. They have never bought an album. These security guards have yet to really know what we preach. But apparently they're in this club every day of their life. But they realize on Saturday night, if we can get some people to hang out who are doing really bad, these people that are coming in here, they're going to help them. What do you think people know you for? I want to be able to look uh, across Christendom and say, this is us. I found myself cringing a lot right now when you see somebody on TV waving the Christian flag. And I feel like I got to tell my friends, that's not us. This is us. We're the ones who love better than everybody else. If there is one thing the Christian church should have cornered, it is the market on love. Can I share three quick thoughts about this love? Can I hear four quick thoughts? Can I get a 10? And I'm going to fly through these, but I do believe that God is stirring something in Montana. I do believe he's stirring something in the church. There is a dissatisfaction with the way it's been. So if you're listening to this message right now and you're like, wow, this is cool. Like I've always loved Jesus, but I can't stand some of the people that follow him. This is for you. Step up on the moment. So I wrote the book. Let's be a part of the answer. Not just talking about the problem. I can't stand Christians. That's us. This is us. Whether we like it or not, we got to change the game. Three things about this love out of this John 13 explosive scripture. Number one, this love is defined. Look at somebody and say it's defined. And if you go back to the scripture, y'all put it up there. The reason why Jesus clearly, because if you start reading it, it's like, cool, a new command I give you. That's the problem. The old command they had. And now he says a new command, love one another. Even that's doable because they're thinking old school context, cool, love people in our church, love people in our world. But then Jesus drops this bomb right here, as I have loved you. That's a problem because now until then it's good. I can define my own love. Love is love. I live in New York. People are always like, love. Love is love. Love means tolerance. Love means this. Love means that. Love means this. Jesus said, I want to make sure that y'all don't get it confused or twisted. Love people as I have loved you. Who in here has been loved by Jesus? How did he love you? He loved you when you didn't deserve it. He loved you when you didn't earn it. He loves you right now even though you do things that actually counteract the love he's already given to you. Jesus loved you relentlessly with a ridiculous grace. How are you going loving people with that kind of love? Definitions matter. Somewhere has to say like amen on that one point. Definitions matter. Here's what I mean by that. If we don't define it, we're going to have churches loving people different ways. We have Christians reading their Bible, and they're like, well, love means this to me, and it means that to you. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to define it, because if we don't have definition, we lose distinction. That's a tweetable thought from Levi Lesko. We went camping today, hiking today, horseback riding today. Here's my issue with it. I told 
your pastor, I said, hey, would Charlie and I come in? Let's do something really cool. Um, like, I don't know, like camping or something. I didn't clearly define it. <laughs> so Levi being the Levi that we all know him to be, there's no, like, there's no low level anything. I was thinking in my mind. Think about I'm thinking in my mind. Um, you know, we're going to, like, maybe look at a horse, wave at a campsite, get some s'mores and go in. And, you know, worst case scenario, we're glamping. We've got one of those nice little trailers, and it's outside, but it's really inside. So I didn't define it, and sure enough, we find ourselves on this ridiculous trail ride on horses. I don't like horses. I don't really like being outside. I don't like bugs. I don't like anything that requires any work whatsoever that I don't have to do, you know, out of the ordinary. But we're on this amazing camping trip, and we go into this amazing tent, and we wake up, and we're, keep in mind, we're sleeping outside. Did I mention don't like the outdoors? And, but we're having the time of our life, and we had a trail guide who was like true blue Montana, Wyoming. Like, if you saw this guy, you'd be like, he's from Montana. His name was Stride, I do believe. Best name of all time. Like, we were like, what's your name? He's like, Stride. <laughs> and Stride didn't define either, like, the order of horses. So we're on horses, and it's our last little moment, and we're going to go back to the campsite. And he never really said, he said, stay with the pack, but he didn't really define it. And so I'm thinking, well, he didn't say what he means by that, so I'm just going to kind of go up ahead. Because that's what I do. You know, I'm called to be a leader. I'm called to go out in front of people. And I'm like, he didn't say I couldn't do this. He just said it would be a good idea to stay with the pack. That's an open definition. So I'm on this giant horse. And uh, my horse, it was fun for like a second until I realized like, that I have no control over this giant animal. And the horse takes off. And that was okay for a moment. But then I was like, let's try to turn around. Let's wait for the group horse. I'm talking to the horse like it's a real person. <laughs> And the horse wouldn't do that, and it reverts back the other way, and then it begins to run, and it begins to gallop. Did I mention never rode a horse? <laughs> and so my life is flashing before my eyes, and we come to this fork in the road, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that we came this way, and the horse is like, we're going this way. And we find ourselves on a trail at least this wide with this giant horse that I, I, I don't know what I'm doing and we're rolling through this thing and all of a sudden the horse slips and keep in mind there's a cliff. <laughs> and I try to get the horse to stop. I'm yelling stop and I'm not like the strongest guy in the world but I'm giving it all I have and the horse is going even harder and he kicks up in the air and I think I got two choices. We could fall here or I could just eject right now. I chose the ladder, and I just let go, and I fell off this horse, landed on a rock, and then the horse looks at me and proceeds to just walk away. I followed this horse in the dust for 30 minutes. Levi's nowhere to be found. They finally find me just sitting there forlorn on this trail, and Levi's like, where's your horse? I'm like, bro, nobody to find what it means to stay with the pack. I put it on him and I put it on the host. That is a really long way to show you the picture of the church right now, humans right now. Nobody knows how to define love, so people are going to clubs and they are going to culture and they are going the wrong way. When Jesus said, I love you so much, I'm going to give you the clearest, most pure picture of love so you can never get it twisted. You can never get lost in the wilderness. Do what I do. So if you ever wonder what love looks like, go to this Bible, and if Jesus did it, you can do it. If it looks like Jesus, it's love. If it doesn't look like Jesus, it's not love, no matter what anybody else says. So if it gets confusing. That's why I love being a Christian.
Because Jesus made it so clear. He knew I couldn't do it. He knew that my flesh would change what the Bible says. So instead he said, here, I'm the example. Love like me. Do my politics match up with Jesus and his love? Do the way I cheer for my friends, does it match up with Jesus and his love? If not, I have to change because Jesus' love is not. Number one, it's defined. And I'm in pain from that ride. Number two, the love of Jesus, the love we're talking about. How can I say this? It is developed. Fitting seven sermons in here, picking it for what's best for y'all. Number one, it's what? Defined. Number two, it's developed. We don't have time to go to the scripture, but I see funny things in the Bible. Anybody like me? It's funny to me how Jesus says this new command I give you love people as I have loved you. Right after that, the next stanza in your Bible, Peter goes, Jesus, where are you going? I found that funny because Peter couldn't even lock into the new commandment for half a second before his mind is on something else. This leads me to believe that if you ever find a Christian that says they have arrived or they have mastered the game of love or they kind of get it all, you know right away Jesus sets this precedent that once you set foot into this salvation, the rest of your life, he will be developing this love in you. It should be getting better. You should be getting kinder. You should have more grace, not less. You should be reaching more people, not less. This love will be developed in you. But I wonder, are you getting better with age or are we seeing the opposite in your life? Because I feel like sometimes people get saved and salvation is great. But here's the problem. Maybe you can write this down. It would be criminal to allow Jesus to change your eternity, but not let him change your mentality. Think about that. Your salvation good. Jesus, he loves me. He saved me. But how many Christians have you known that, uh, yep, they're, they're going to be in. Maybe we'll see them in heaven. But as far as who they are, they're still the same mean person. They're still the same racist individual. They still treat people they don't know the same way. And you think, wow, let me get this straight. God is good enough to save your soul. But he can't develop new love in you. He can't develop new hope in you. Might it be time at all these locations? Look at your life. Are there any underdeveloped areas of love that the Holy Spirit's going, we need to develop you. Come on. We need to change the way you think. We need to change the way you fight. We need to change the way you dream. Are there areas that are undeveloped? The answer is yes. The question is, will you be humble enough to say, Lord, yeah, I've been serving you for a while. But I don't want to go into a culture underdeveloped. Have you ever eaten food that is not cooked just right? What does it do? It makes you feel sick. I feel like the church of Jesus Christ is sometimes going into this sick world and we're underdeveloped. Can you imagine if God started doing a new thing in us? I'll be honest with you. I turned 40 in November. And thank you. One person, my friend Levi. But I am finding that I am becoming older in my thinking more than I like to admit. Like I, I find myself saying things my dad said, which sometimes can be good. I find myself like just wanting to do my routine, liking what I like, like refuse to change. It's amazing how you hit like 35 and you become that guy who says stuff like me in my day. We knew what real music was. We knew what real, you know what I'm talking about? And so my son, who is now nine, he is really into video games. I got no problems with video games. I used to play it. But back in the day, my dad would say, Carl, every hour of video games you play, you got to have like three hours outside. 
And that's going to be like the trade-off, right? So my son, he's playing video games, and I'll go down and be like, Romy, you got to get out of there, bro. Like, you've been looking at that screen all day. And I go right into old dad mode. Like, video games aren't going to do nothing for you, boy. I need you in the first round. I'm not trying to work forever. I'm trying to get out early with my retirement. You need to get outside, so we'll have this fight. And I go downstairs recently. He's got these giant headphones on, bigger than his whole head. And he's sitting there. I'm like, Rome, you got to get outside. I told you no more video games. And he goes, but, Dad, it's a viable career option. I'm like, did you just use the word viable? And I go, it's not a viable career option. You're going nowhere with these video games. you got to go outside and get prepared to do something real with your life. And he, like, very reluctantly puts down his giant headphones and his little controller, and he goes outside. Someone tweets me an article, and they let me know that there is an individual. Can you put this picture up? He's got blue hair. You don't look at this guy and go, this guy's going to be changing the world. And then they told me how much money he makes a month. Brace yourself. $500,000 a month this guy gets paid from allowing other people to watch him play video games. You know what I did? That's a true story. Look it up. It's in Forbes. Trust me, I checked like 97 sources. Like I, I went back and I told my son, I said, Rowan, you want me to get you a new controller? You want me to get you a better chair? We need to get your eyeglasses checked so you can get, what can I do to get you a little bit closer, right? That has to change. You know that Jesus has been doing a new thing when he was walking this earth till right now. He was healing people on the wrong day. Can't do that. He was loving people that had been ostracized by everybody else. Can't do that. He was hanging out with people nobody thought you could hang out with, but he was changing them. Can't do that. Might it be said of us? That God is doing a new thing, but we are so unwilling to allow him to develop something new. We're missing it. Come on, somebody. I want to be a Christian that says, God, even if I can't fathom it, teach me. Even if I don't feel it, force me. Even if I don't want to go, Lord, not my will, your will. Take me. Develop me. What does God want to develop in your life? We're going to close in a second, I promise. That's why I keep the keys up. So people think that I'm going to close all the time. <laughs> Don't forget, though, this goes out to whoever is new to fresh life. Maybe not even new. Maybe you're starting to get new in your thinking, and you already think you don't have what it takes. You already think, like, man, those people at Fresh Life have it all together. On behalf of your pastor, let me let you in on something. The church people you see around you, they're not better than you. They don't know more than you. They've just been in the church game long enough, so they know how to play the game. So we have churches in America that are filled with people who are like, I want, I want God to develop me. I want him to use you, but they miss this thought. God will still use you even in mid-development stage, even when you don't have it all together. Is that the deepest, most amazing, theologically sound thought you've heard all day? God can still use you even if you don't have it all together. And the reason why I've been pastoring our church for almost eight years, been doing this for a long time, and it seems like God is still taking us back to the basics because we have a lot of people who are like, man, I got issues. I'm like, do you know who Jesus was commanding to love one another as they have been loved by him? People didn't have it all together. You know who God has always used? people don't have it all together you know the businessmen that succeed often when God's hand is on them they don't have what it takes God does 
You know what churches are built on? Not on the gifts and the talents of a few, but the sacrifice of many. I'm just tired of watching people wait to that moment until they got it all together. Someday I'm going to be a leader at Fresh Life. Someday. Now that day is today. Someday I'm going to write this song and get it to somebody. Someday I'm going to write this sermon. Someday I'm going to go to the bank and ask for this help so I can start this business. Someday. No, there is no more someday. It's right now. The question is, what are you going to do with your issues? You got them today. We all do. If you don't have any issues, raise your hand. Look around, hypocrites. <laughs> My wife's Australian. Have I told you all that? Over the past 20 years I've been coming here. Australians deal with fear and issues in general differently they have no compassion for anybody um, if you're hurt they're like you're not hurt just walk it off um, they're afraid of nothing every deadly animal in the world lives in australia all of them together um, just trying to give you context we're sitting at bondi beach this beautiful place pretty close to where she grew up and we're sitting there having a great coffee the beach is to our left and all of a sudden i hear these sirens go off and i go what are those and she goes that's a shock alarm I went into what? And she's like, it's a shock alarm. You know, she doesn't speak English. She speaks Australian. Shock and mock and bad. They don't use any arms. And I said, what do you mean it's a shark alarm? She's like, there's a shark out there. So they're clearing the water. So I'm like, man, this is amazing. Shark week. Like, that's why I stay on the shore. And I'm watching this all go down. And then uh, we start to eat again. And over my shoulder, I start to see people go back in the water. I'm like, Laura, what are they doing? She's like, mate, they got the jet skis out there, and they've chased the sharks away. I said, there were just sharks in the water. She's like, that's what the jet skis are for. They chased them out. And I said, I will never go in that water. How could anybody go in that water? There are animals in there that eat you. Like, I'm using hand signals. I'm like, why would she? She goes, mate, at some point, you got to get in the water. What are you going to do, stay out here on the shore because there's a shark? I just thought to myself, how many times have I been the Christian that's sitting on the shore because I've got some, I'm like, yeah, but there's stuff out there. And there's other Christians that are walking back into the water going, yep, there's a chance I might die. And there's a chance I could get exposed. And there's a chance that it might not work out. But the Holy Spirit is on the move. And I'm going to take my chances with the grace of God out on the deeper waters because that's where his power is. That's where his love is. That's where his grace is. Somebody's got to step out despite your issue. We need you now. We need you now. I want God to develop something new in me. Is there anybody who can give me an amen if you're with me? Whatever that issue is that your mind immediately goes, that's the one God's going to use to bring hope to somebody else. Put your little coffee down, metaphorically. Kick off your shoes and go swimming again. Yep, there's some danger out there. There's some fear out there. But our God on that jet ski, it's a great metaphor. Really faithful to steer you into these deep waters of grace. Number one, this love is what? Define. Number two, this love is. Number three, as we close, this love is dangerous when demonstrated. Just want to warn you ahead of time so nobody emails Pastor Levi in a couple months. I did the love thing. My life changed. This love is dangerous when it's demonstrated. I'm just going to read one more scripture to you if that's okay. Because I'm right on time. Almost. Think about this for a moment. It's dangerous when it's demonstrated. Paul 
is kind of shining a light on things Jesus has already said. That was his goal. And he says this, carry each other's burdens in Montana. I added the Montana. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anybody thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to somebody else. Here's the part I want to focus on. For each one should carry their own load. Now, first of all, is that hot in here or is it me? Maybe I'm still sweating about the fact I almost died. One half of the scripture says what? Everybody should carry each other's burdens. At the very end of the scripture, same verse, it says everybody should carry their own load. If you don't know what the Bible's doing, it almost looks like it's contradicting each other. Paul's inference is that if we're doing our job of loving each other, which is carrying each other's burdens, by then the weight should be okay for everybody to do their own job and to carry their own load. This is not an exhaustion of like Christian responsibility. It's the opposite. Paul's saying if y'all would help each other out, then everybody will be able to carry their call the right way. Can you imagine a church that actually carried each other's burden? Different than like, how you doing on Sunday? I'm talking about you hurt, I hurt. You cry, I cry. You had somebody graduate, we all cheer. You had somebody go to prison, we all wait for them and pray for them. If you're not doing well, I'm not doing well. And if we're going to do well, we're going to do it together. Can you imagine a world that was like, look at the way Christians treat each other. I want in on that. But I don't think it's happening because I think a lot of people don't realize this. For many to come to Jesus, give me a wave if you have anybody you want to see meet the living God face to face. For some, it will take a demonstration before revelation. I've known maybe two or three Christians in my life where God just opened their eyes and they got saved. Everybody else saw a demonstration of this love that we profess and then they got a revelation that that's for me. But yet we have the opposite American Christianity problem where everybody is trying to clean themselves up. We leave churches because of need. And the early church was built on need. Oh, my church asks me for too much. There's too many needy people in there. Every time I come into Fresh Life, they're talking about praying for somebody, lead a connect group, do something. These are the very things that Jesus wanted us to build our church. Oh, here they are asking for money again. That's what you do in a family. Come on. But here's the thing. So... Instead of carrying each other's burdens, we're trying to build our lives to get away from people. And have the, this is my clean Christian white shirt. Okay, I just want to act like I have it all together. Want everybody to know what's going on because here's what happens. If you start to carry somebody else's burden, you know what happens? It starts to open your life up. It also brings you a little bit closer to Jesus. Somebody recently said to me, they said, Carl, how do you do it as a pastor? Carrying all these you know, people's needs. And I said, well, it's not, it's not a pastor thing. It's actually a Christian thing. But when you carry another's burden, love as you've been loved, you're faced with two options. One, you either wear it all and realize you're not the Savior and it kills you, or you take it to the one who can help. So then you get to meet with him again and leave with a fresh spirit. So a lot of Christians who aren't carrying anybody's burden, they can't figure out why their relationship with Jesus is dead. It's not the church you go to. It's not the worship on Sunday morning. It's the fact that you can't meet with the creator unless you actually have something to bring him. So Jesus instituted this policy called loving people as you've been loved. Why? So he could meet with you. But it's going to mess up your Christian church. 
know what it means to carry somebody else's burden? Come here, my friend. It means this. You have a friend and you go, you're going through something. You've been through some hard times. Cool. I'm with you. I'm on top right now. God is doing great things in my life. So if you need me, you call me this week, okay? I'm with you. I love you. And you go back into church. You go back into your office. People are looking at you like you're weird. You're crazy. Like, what? I'm just living life. I feel good. I'm, I'm still the same, but I can feel it. Carrying somebody else's burden. Come back to church. Meet somebody. You know, oh, what's going on? How are you? It's been a tough season for you, I heard. Somebody you love passed away. I got you. I'm with you. You call me if you need me, okay? Love you. Then you go back into your life. People are looking at you funny. You're thinking, it's just me. I'm just doing what I do. It's not changing me on the inside, but it's changing the way I think. It's changing the way I breathe. It's changing the way I hope. It's changing the way I preach. Somebody else comes in. You go, wow, I didn't realize that you felt bad. I didn't realize that you have depression issues. That's all right. You're in the right church. A lot of people deal with stuff like that. I'm filled with hope. That's why God put us together. You call me every night where you don't feel like you have enough. So I can call you and let you know you are enough because Jesus is enough. You call me. I got you. Don't be sad. Don't be lonely. I'm with you. And then you go back into your life. And people are like, what happened to you? And you look at them and you just say, I'm just doing what God has called me to do. It will change the way you look. But we also will change the way you feel. Thank you, guys. It's our band. I want you to hear me. I hope this is coming off right. But somebody said, you know, where do you get ideas from? I said, pain. Somebody said, where do you get this? Where do you, how do you figure out what to preach? I said, I just the people that I know. My prayer for your life, fresh life, if you're listening to this message, this weird guy from New York who's got pain now, he's crying and sweating. I just want you to know that if we can go back to the essence of this, where we say, now that's not us. Big churches with no soul, not us. Churches that point their finger, point out every problem but give no solution, that's not us. You know who? Us. When I talk about this is us, we're the ones that are going to pick you up when you're down. We're the ones that are going to cover you when nobody else will. We're the ones that are going to build businesses that are going to provide resources so you can get the help that you need. This is us. And you might not look the same, and people might treat you different, but trust me, you will be getting to meet with the Creator more than you ever have because where there is need, there is grace. Where there is failure, there is grace. Where you don't have what it takes, guess what? Our God does. This is us. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray that as we leave this in your hands, Lord, we would not run from the very thing we're called to reach. Some of us, Lord, who, myself included, we go through seasons where we're just, we're too clean. We forget that you had us all over you. Carried us when we didn't deserve it. Forgave us when we didn't earn it. Lord, I pray by your grace, you would help our churches be known for the love of Jesus. It's like nothing else on this planet. Lord, I pray for the people in this room to hear your voice again, like never before. The people listening online, Lord, I pray that something in that screen would shake and they'd be mindful of the fact that we don't have to just look at this world and shake our head. We can look at this world and go carry the burdens of others and let people know there is a God who still cares. This is us. In Jesus' name, amen.
thank you for joining us for this teaching from our summer reading series. For more content from Fresh Life Church and to stay up to date while you're on summer vacation, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link below.